Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, the pace are bloody slow. You are the first team, the last team my dreams have ever seen. Put on that lily white and run on to that green. White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its low tonight We fought our team through thick and thin and all those boring nights And when the game is done we'll sing a song and talk it out all night Hey, Come on Tottenham, stick it in the goal Come on Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow You are the first team Hi, it's episode 22, season 4 of the Top Multiple Family Podcast My name's Jav, joining me this week, David Fornell from Sussex Good afternoon And... Back for the first time this season, Sam Moore from South London. Good afternoon, folks. Right. Um, so yesterday um, we made difficult work work of it. It's, um, we're in the, we're in the draw for the next round, which is good. We're still in the FA Cup, but um, it's difficult to put any sort of positive spin on yesterday. It was it was frustrating. Um, let me come to you first, David. Yeah, two positives I take from it. Um, one is, as you said, we're still in it. And secondly, Harry Kane gets the goal. Uh, uh, beyond that, I have no more real positives. It was an awful pitch um, uh, and uh, it was an awful game. Sam. Over to you, Sam. Where did it go, Sam, where did it go, where did it go wrong? Um, I just don't think we heeded the warnings insofar as if you were to make a bingo sheet of every FA Cup cliche, this game was it. In the sense of it was a banana skin, it was David versus Goliath, it was the pitch as a leveller, it was all those old cliches, but beforehand, and Poch had, I think, tried to, um, tried to set up correctly in so much as having the midfield muscle because they're clearly going to try and out-muscle the midfield and they very much did that in the first half. I mean, their number four, Labadee, I thought was superb throughout the game, to be quite honest, shutting us down, getting on top of Dembele and stifling our passing game. But it's up to the players to take on Poch's instructions and carry them forward and we, we didn't, unfortunately. Mm. And, I mean, you know, in the past, rightly or wrongly, people have accused... Poch of fielding weaker teams um, in the cup competitions, but, but this season, if you, you know, if, if you take the first, the, the sorry, the, the last round, the, the, the third round of the FA Cup when, when we played Wimbledon at home, he played a strong team then, he, he or strongish, as um, stronger than presenting most expected. Kane starting yesterday again. You had Kane starting. You had Vertonghen. You know, the midfield was packed full of um, established players. Um, we sh- you know, di- there was no reason why we should we should have not come away with with the win, but we were we were just poor. Um, credit to credit to Newport, um, they they deserve something out of that game, and and they've got a replay, but um, just disappointing, really, really disappointing. Um, a few a few um, questions from listeners sort of echo. Some of the frustrations with 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 yesterday's results. Um, Gary Grover on today's performance: Would we have beaten a blind school? A bit harsh. John Steckles: what, what was what was that then? Team selection, conditions, but battling a lower league side are all free. You see, but some some of these comments I I, I sort of understand. We all want to see us 
uh, go through with a minimum of effort. Um, so we're nice and fresh for next week. I'm sure that's in the back of our minds as well as the players. But in reality, this isn't a dog or duck. This is not a Sunday league team. Um, so saying blind scores and so on is, 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 as you say, too harsh. Um, they played very well. The pitch was dreadful. The wind was blowing. And I have to say, the players didn't look up for it. They didn't look as though they liked it. Our usual one-touch, um, quick football was never going to be played on that surface. And I don't know what else Poch could have done. He couldn't have turned around and said, I'll tell you what, we'll lump everything up um, to the centre-forward for a knockdown. That that's that was never going to happen. And I, I, I think if we'd done that, I don't think um, we'd have got much joy out of that one either. I think it'd been very difficult. I think we always had to play it. And I think it was always in the advantage advantage of uh, Newport. I, I really do. They played excellent. They, they really did. Um, and, I, and I think we did well to come, come away with the draw. I really do. And I, I, you know, on the on the day, you know, so straight after the game, you, you just, oh, it's relief. Thank God we're still in it. Next day, let the dust settle. And you look at it again, you think, well, yeah, you know, it's Newport. They've, they've done well. Credit to them. Uh, we, we're still in it. And I, and I do expect us to give them a, a bit of a trouncing back at Wembley. But I, I'm, I'm pleased for them, actually, that they are. Because I said to you, Javid, didn't I, at the beginning, when you asked me, who did I want in this round? Mm. And I said, I'd love to have Newport County at Wembley, give them a day out. I didn't want us to have a day out down at uh, that parade. And it was a parade in the end, wasn't it? It wasn't yeah. much of a match for no. us. No. The other thing I think is, as well, is that Poch can relay his instructions as much as he likes, but it's up to the players to show a bit of football intelligence and adapt to the conditions of the games, insofar as the tactic in the first half from Newport, it seemed to me, was to try and get the ball over and in behind the back of our defence. Um, Foyth looked a bit shaky, which is understandable given his, um, his young age and his inexperience in in English football but three or four times they were employing the same tactic of getting behind our defence and it just seemed like no one was sort of reading it until after it happened you just think come on lad switch on I can see from here this what they're trying to do is hoof it over the top and get around the back so you've got to be a bit wiser to these things in game someone's got to read it maybe drop a little bit deeper and shut off that that point of attack for them so yeah you can level the criticism at Pochettino but ultimately these footballers need to think for themselves as well mm. Yeah, the one thing we have missing, and I've said this before, if I had to, to sign anyone, would be a, a, a character like Roy Keane, who gets hold of a team during a game, and he can see things going wrong, and he'll grab them round the neck if he, if he needs to, and shake them up, and get us back into the game. We don't have that player. There's no one there that seems to take that sort of responsibility or, or able to read and shake us up. We've been very much grown into a team which is what Poch wants. So when it comes to these sort of games, when something's got to be done pretty much on the pitch, that's going to be our Achilles heel, if you like. Um, we're not able to change it. If Poch can't get his message across. I mean, it happened last year at Liverpool when we lost 2-0, when um, Davis got an absolute tearing apart from Mane. And we never got it changed on the pitch. We, we, we were 2-0 down before and the game had gone. Do you think um, if, Al if Alderweireld had been playing, um, we would have had that character? Or, or I mean, surely... I, I, I see what you're saying, David, in, in so far as... Yeah, but Roy Keane was, was unique. There are very few players like him um, that I can think of in, in the modern game. I think we've got those sort of characters, possibly with 
Dyer maybe with Vertonghen with Alderweireld. Not not to the same degree as Roy Keane. Um, maybe maybe, maybe we've got a figure figuring, a figure like that lacking in in the centre of midfield. But I'd argue at the back we've got those players. Yeah, I I think the manager Poch he sets up that we don't have that man that he has command. Yeah. I don't think he really tasks or looks for anybody to have that. No, I don't think Alderweireld. I think he 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 like a lot of other Spurs players. They lead by example rather than by voice. Yeah, and I'd like to see that voice, but I could be being a bit antiquated about this. There were there used to be a lot of players like that, and I think managers relied on the captain. That was the captain, Dave Mackay. And I'm going back here. I'm sorry, chaps, but Dave Mackay was that absolute example of almost fear that he gave to the rest of the players if they didn't perform, if they weren't doing their jobs. He would tell them. So Roy Keane, and I don't see it very much. The lad I actually quite like well I can't think of his name now the lad at Sunderland he's not good enough to, for us but he he's um he gets around and he, he you can see him trying to rustle up the players and get them into the game not that not that I can say <laughs> Sunderland went down so he did do that well mm. <laughs> I can't think of his name off the top of my head but are you thinking of Catamo Catamo oh thank That's you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um, I'm not sure whether whether Alvarez would necessarily inspired that because, as David alluded to there, he's more one for actions rather than words. But I just think, you know, come on, lads, one of you's got to say right. The, the tactic is they're trying to get the ball over the top of us to get round the backs. So let's drop off five or ten yards, cut out that space behind us. But no one seemed to do that yesterday. And um, to be honest, really, Dyer should have been the one who should have been saying to Foyth, "Look, come on." And Vertonghen as well, alongside him. You know, they're both experienced players, I guess, Vertonghen more so than Dyer. But Dyer in himself looked particularly shaky in the opening stage as well. And I think that can spread, particularly amongst the defence. You know, that's kind of the last thing that Foyth needed. But I thought, actually, to give him credit, as the game wore on, Foyth did look more comfortable bringing the ball out. And he sort of grew into the game. Yeah, he, he had a better second half, as did... I mean, the f- most of the players, I think, the first half was poor. I can't help thinking... That um, the way we set up in the first half, um, playing him with the back three, playing Dyer at the back, um, I, I, as we discussed this a couple of weeks back on, on, on the podcast, I'm, I'm of the opinion that ultimately that's where Dyer will end up. But I think I do take issue with the fact that he is one week he's playing at the back, then he's playing in, in, in the centre of the park, and I think he, he just needs. He needs a set of, set of games um, in one position for a while. He seems to be playing more central mid- midfield recently. Then he's asked to play in a back three. We haven't been playing with a back three for a few weeks. That in itself is going to unsettle um, the balance of the team. Um, we tried to play it out of the back, I thought, too much on, on a pitch which was didn't really allow you to do that, and I think we need to be a bit more savvy. And if in certain in circumstances like yesterday and like Southampton last week when the pitch wasn't great, and if we need to sometimes be a bit more direct and 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 hoof it up, even though that that goes against the grain with Pochettino, I think that that's what we what, what we need to do. Um, I think part of that problem, Jav, was that every time we launched a ball forwards, it wasn't sticking where Lorente was concerned. I thought he had an atrocious game, to be quite frank. Um, everything that's hit towards him, he's into. I don't know. It just wasn't sticking. You know, he's got he's barrel chested enough that he can take that ball down his chest. But 
I don't know whether he was just put off by the conditions or the weather or whatever it might have mm. been, but everything that fell towards him, it just went straight back to Newport. So they might have decided against that and just thought, well, we'll stick to our guns and we'll try and play our football. He he didn't look, he didn't look good. Um, any positives we could draw? I'm really struggling here. Yes, one positive I can say is that I'm reading through my Sunday publication and the headline here is Kane saves Spurs from being Rodney Plonkers. Yeah. Which I think was a, a nice bit of work from, uh, from the headline writers. <laughs> Sunday sport. Uh, it's slightly more highbrow. That's the Observer, actually. All <laughs> done. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. A couple more questions from listeners on Newport. Um, Mike O'Connell should Poch take cup competitions more seriously. Now, I, I said my bit on this at the beginning. I, I think he, he did, and uh, well, he certainly has this season, judging by his team selection. Many, some, should I say, in the media were questioning whether it was right to start Kane because it was Newport and it was a game that we should easily win, but, you know, he's, he's picked the str- strongest team, so. Um, I think I think he's he's taking the competition seriously, but um, I, I, what do it, you it's, we, think? It's it's easy, isn't it, to to, to prod at us the moment we we look that feels like a loss because we haven't beaten Newport, regardless whether it's home or away. We're an easy target, and it's easy to throw those things at us, and it, and and Potch is then damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. You know, should he have rested him? You know, or should he start? I mean, I I personally think that he should start him, and if we get couple of goals ahead take him off rest him then i would get the job done first and then rest players afterwards and put uh, put bench players on um i i i i think um i think i think he takes it seriously enough i i don't have any problem i i think he's made the mistakes before and he's mm-hmm. owned up to them and said he hasn't got them right but you know we've just seen i mean less it, it's a fine line sometimes had we got had we not conceded had we got an early goal and Newport would have had to come out and all probability we'd have then just picked them off and we could have been three or four. Leicester City yesterday could have tripped up. They didn't. They just got ahead and, and then it, it just, they caved in and, and it looked easier. I say, well, Leicester can do it. Sometimes it's small, it's small margins. So uh, I think it's easy for the press. I mean, they're always going to do that to us. I, I, I watched um, Sunday Supplement this morning and, uh, you know, had a nice little hack at us again. But... Um, no, it's, just, it's, it's easy. It's almost lazy journalism sometimes. Just easy to say things like that. I think with regards to the FA Cup as well, there's there tends to be an element of nostalgia that plays into people's mind in so much as, and it, they mentioned it in the Observer Stadium, saying this would have been one for the Pantheon. This would have been up there with the Wrexham beating Arsenal and Sutton beating Coventry way back when. The difference now is phenomenal. The margins in between these Premier League footballers and League Two footballers Yes, technically they're better, but they're both athletes now. You know, you've not got these pot-bellied players running around in League Two, for crying out loud. They are athletes. So if you're asking those athletes to go out there, to shut the ball down, to run, to put the tackles in, which Newport did to their immense credit yesterday, they're going to make it hard for us. There's no two ways about it. Let's give them some credit here as well. Sam, um, a year ago today, to this very day, you and I were at White Hart Lane for the penultimate FA Cup tie. Um, at the lane against That's right. Wickham, um, which, Wickham. We, which, yeah. which which we which we won four three, we left it very late. Um, as I recall, we were three two down with five or ten minutes to go. Um, 
and that's you know that we didn't play well that day either, but we we managed to, to snatch a result none, nonetheless. And it, frankly, I, I think on the day, both you and I would have settled in those last few minutes just just for a replay as it was. We 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 won, but that was a perfect example of um, what the, the point that you just made. How, how um, you know these teams in League One, League Two, actually they they are um, they're not that poor. They might they might technically not be as good as um, players in, in in the Premier League, but you know they're 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 athletes in, in their own right. So they they don't they're not lard asses. Um, so it, it's going to be a, a it's always going to be um, a, a tough against these teams. They're always going to raise their game as well. Uh, I think we can just draw a line under it by saying I think we'd all agree that Newport deserve immense credit. They're well worth their mm-hmm. replay. Good luck, good luck to them in so far as getting the money from the replay will keep them going, which is what we all want to see. And thankfully, we're still in the hat. Absolutely, they live to fight another day, and and, and so do we. And um, yeah, as you say, we're we're, we're still in the hat. Um, Kent Goodrich um, said, "Who was our poorest player?" Um, surprising myself, I think it was Wanyama and not Sissoko. I would agree with that. Actually, I thought Wanyama had a terrible game, considering he's such a beast, isn't he, out there in his physical presence? And he was bullied a bit yesterday. He got uh, got the ball taken off him a few times. Uh, Sissoko disappointed me because I thought, with his pace, I thought he might be able to get going and get down that that line. And he never managed to. Not that he played terribly, but um, no one played well. No one came out with any real. Uh, credit yesterday, and I personally wouldn't pull anybody out particularly, but mm. I, I, I would agree. I think um, Wanyama did have a very poor game. I, I just expected a bit more from him. That's all. I expect him to compete a bit more. Yeah, I think there are a few too many four and five out of tens going through right through the side. I mean, I've made my thoughts clear on uh, Lorente's performance yesterday, but like you say, to single any one out seems particularly harsh, as there were probably five or six who were way off their game yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think when when the armor clearly he's 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 not fully fit and he's um he need, he needs more, more game time. Um we saw that with yeah. Winks earlier this season when he came back from that ankle injury. Yeah. Um, it took him a few games and then after a while he, he started to excel. Um uh, yeah, I think as you, as you both say collectively that there were quite a few that that didn't have good games and Sissoko wasn't wasn't our worst player by by any means. Um, Dembele, disappointingly, I think that's two games in a row now. After the Everton game, where he played really well, um, he, he he was poor last week, and and I don't think he was great yesterday. And and Lorente, um, Sam, you touched upon that earlier in the pod, and we've got a question around Lorente and striking options a little bit later, which we'll come to. Um, moving on, so we are in the fifth round draw. The draws tomorrow at seven twenty. Um, it's for those in the UK. It's live on BBC One on the One Show. Um, any teams that you fancy drawing? Yes. Next round? Yes, Coventry. <laughs> Give them something back for 1987. <laughs> Take them back to Wembley. Yeah. Sam. Um, I don't know really. I mean, if the level of performance doesn't improve, I'm almost of a mindset. I'd rather we get a Premier League team at home. Not necessarily one of the big hitters, but maybe a West Brom or someone like that, because 
it almost seems with this Spurs side, we seem to raise our game to an extent. Mm. And when we're playing lower league opposition, we get dragged down a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's, we've got to get through the replay first. So if yeah. we get through that, then we'll get who we get. What I would like is it'd be nice if for once the draw panned out in our favour and Man City draw Chelsea, should they get through their respective games today. That would be good. Um, I would quite like Cardiff away in the next round. You're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm fully envisaging that City will beat them. Um, Sheffield, you've got the two Sheffield clubs, I think, they're in the draw, I believe. United yeah. on Wednesday. Um, and yeah, Coventry's another one. I'd, I'd, I'd like a home tie. Um, don't yes. fancy um, being drawn against somebody like Newport that have got a tiny little allocation and it makes it very difficult to get to get tickets um, oh sorry just one last thought yeah. on that um, just sprang to my head that whole one yesterday and it'd be nice to have Ryan Mason back after everything he's been through recently that's a very yeah. good yeah. shout yeah. Hull at home yeah, it did. very good shout yeah no, absolutely um, right next couple of games so we've, we're playing United at home on Wednesday and then a week today Liverpool Anfield um, thoughts predictions about these games um, Sam if I come to you first yeah well my initial thought about United is that I think Jose's going to turn up with his uh, double decker like he tends to do at relatively tough away games and now they'll try and pick us off with the odd mistake like they did when we played them at their place so I think it's really key for us to actually be re-switched on because the minute we make a mistake, if they've got something like Martial, as we saw at Old Trafford on the pitch, they're well able to take advantage. That said, I do expect a much different lineup, and I do expect a much better performance than we've seen in recent weeks. As for a prediction, I think it will be a draw. Yeah, it's a, uh, a difficult one. Last season was the last game we've beaten 2-1 and rightfully so. Um, I have nothing to fear from United. I think we're um, every bit uh, uh, as good as they are and could take the game uh, by the odd goal. But what worries me is that whenever we've played Jose Mourinho, he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, having that last game last year, I I just think he was going to come down a white heart lane. And I I, I agree with Sam. I think it's going to be the draw. But... um, I, I have my hopes. We don't seem to be coming into. We've got a few people out, out and uh, I'm hoping that uh, they come back um, match fit. It's not just fit, but it's match fit, and I'm not sure. Um, be interesting to see if Alderall plays. Yeah, <coughs> I don't think. Sorry, I don't think. Even if we were to win that game, I don't think we can catch them. Um, so a draw. Under those circumstances, I, I think a draw wouldn't be a bad result, other than the fact that we're fighting for fourth and third, and yeah. and a draw would mean we'd, we'd slip up points elsewhere to Liverpool and and Chelsea. Um, that being said, if, if I if I if I take it out of the context of um, you know what it means and 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 those around us and and finishing somewhere in the top four, um, United, I don't think they're great, but. That'll still be a tough proposition, and and as you say, Jose will do his homework. So, a draw would be a perfectly credible result. Um, we've then got Liverpool next. I'm going to stick my head on the line. I think we can go there and get a win. 
I think if we've got Alderweireld back fit, if we've got everybody, well, if we've got Ericsson, I think we need Ericsson back. I think we've got Alderweireld fit as well. And if we play, if we set up in the right way, um, and don't let them, if we if we go go guns blazing, they'll they'll beat us. But if we can sit back a bit and hit them on the on the counter like we did at Wembley, then I think we can get a result and. They are vulnerable. Remember, they haven't got Coutinho now, who can open up defences for them. They've still got an impressive forward line with with Mane and Salah and Firmino, um, but they're still vulnerable back elsewhere. And I, I've got a sneaky feeling we're gonna we're gonna go there and get a result. Do you know what worries me about Liverpool now is uh, their new signing um, on corners and set pieces. If we give away too many of those. Um, he's a beast in the air and I don't think we're very good at defending corners I really don't I don't think we get tested enough and I, if, if I were a uh, Liverpool um, I, I'd be identifying that weakness and trying to get as many dead ball kicks as I could in and around the area and test us because uh, that's where I think um, that would worry that would worry me that part of it I think with like Mane we got taught a lesson before I don't think um Poch will let that happen again. But I, I, we can we can we can go up there and, and get a result. But it's an awful lot to ask of the next um, sort of few fixtures for us to keep winning. That's mm. not going to happen. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. I mean, what a run if it was. If we did, what a run. But you know, a couple of draws wouldn't be so terrible. Yeah. Um... Can we go up there and win? Well, yeah, we can. But do I think we will? Unfortunately not. The reason being is we seem to have some sort of mental block when we go to Anfield. Last season, it was, I say, Mane, Terran Davis, a new one. And again, reverting back to what I was saying earlier, you know, it's identifying problems in-game and the players solving them. And that's what he didn't do when we got torn apart Anfield. I don't know what it is, but just just of, of recent times, we don't seem to have too much trouble with Liverpool at home. But away from home, we seem to really struggle. So, I would like to be proved wrong, but I've got us down for a defeat, unfortunately, next week. Okay. Ah, right, on that depressing note, um, so Spurs ladies <laughs> Spurs ladies have been playing um, Sheffield ladies today, or earlier this afternoon. Um, hopefully, the Spurs ladies have done a bit better than we did yesterday, and Sam is... Um, forecasting next next Sunday. Um, here is Bex with this week's Spurs Ladies update. Hi, it's Bex to let you know what's happening for Spurs Ladies. They played today away at Sheffield um, and came away 8-4-3 losers. Interesting game though because I've never had to say that the girls got sent off and in this case it was a quite it was 2-1 in the favour of Spurs actually well kind of in a reverse way so Spurs had a player off but Sheffield had two sent off. Disappointing that we didn't manage to capitalise on the fact that Sheffield were one player less than we were, even though we'd already had one set off. Quite confusing. So um, a little bit disappointing for the girls and a bloody long way back to London from Sheffield uh, with a loss under their belt. Next up is next Sunday, the 4th of Feb at Chesson at 2 o'clock. The girls have a home draw in the FA Cup against Donny Bells. We've already lost to Donny once in the league this season, so it should be quite interesting to see if the famed cup magic can make the girls lift up. Still mid-table-ish, which is, again, still quite good. Um, 
I presume the league table is being updated. It's really hard to tell because it doesn't happen as quickly as it does in the men's game. It will normally take two or three days to permeate and actually update anything. A while back, um, people may remember that I waffled about um, one of our players, Eartha Pond, who was um, in a teacher prize competition. Anyway, she's been selected for one of the top 50 finalists. Again, it's a worldwide competition so she's really really pleased and I think it's really good that she's doing stuff outside of uh, her game um, she's very enthusiastic about getting girls playing sport which is always nice to hear on the subject of girls playing sport can't have escaped the notice of anybody this week about the news that Phil Neville has been selected to be the England women's national manager um, disappointing I feel I understand that everybody needs to start in management but really you shouldn't start at national level and it does feel like the ladies team have been devalued a bit there was quite a bit of going on on Twitter about it there's a lot of people not happy um, and maybe the FA needs to look at why the female coaches that could possibly have taken over ran a mile in the opposite direction from the FA is it because they're shit anyway um, I know Sam's doing the podcast today Uh, I don't have a crap question for Sam but he can just stand by. I'm going to save it up and I'll ask him for it when he least expects it. Thanks, Sam. Anyway, that's me. I'm done. I'm on Twitter at Bunches Bex if anybody wants to chat. Cheers. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the second half of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Thank you, Bex. Right. Um, before we finish off with a few questions, um, just to mention again, on the on Friday the 2nd of March, um, there is a Spurs Legends Night, night at... Chessington um, and um, in attendance will be Aussie Ardelias and David House um, the, it's, it's hosted by Crackers, Richard Cracknell um, and the the event is organised by Darren Sheen um, tickets I believe are still available um, the event, it, it's Friday 2nd of March um, tickets are £25 and um Doors open about quarter past seven, seven thirty, around about that, that that time. So if you're interested in um, meeting Aussie and David House and having a photograph with them and an autograph, getting an autograph and listening to anecdotes from both of those ex-players, ex-manager, even also in the case of Aussie, um, then you can you can. Contact Darren Sheen. Um, he's contactable on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Chess Spur. Um, there's also an auction um, towards the end of the night, and that's that's always quite whether even whether you participate or not. It's always good good fun, and there's always interesting items. In fact, there's also a raffle. So if you don't want to take part in the auction, there's always a raffle, and, and you never know you might win something. Um, so that's on Friday the second of March. I'm going. David, you're going to be there as well? I am indeed. I have my ticket in front of me. Excellent. Should be good. Right. Um, let's finish off with a few more questions. Kent Goodrich, two games in a row where efforts seem to be lacking. Just a blip or something to worry about? Who wants just to take a, this? Um, just, just a blip. Just a blip. Just a blip. I don't take, it, I don't take too much from these sort of games. Uh, it, it, you know, it really was uh, a windy terrible day on a terrible pitch um a team like newport that had nothing to lose they're playing well they're not going up they're not going down it was their cup final so no uh, uh, 
and we we missed um, Ericsson have a bit of creativity there would have been interesting to see if he could have done much more on that pitch but I just see it as a blip I'm not too worried it's happened before it'll happen again I think if you look at the um, if you look at our league form I think it's over the last eight or ten matches something like that I'll pull up the stats in a minute we're, we're top top of that particular form table um, you know, and that's taking into account even after last week's draw against Southampton and the draw early in the month um, against West Ham. So our form overall over a two-month period has been pretty good. Um, if you look, however, at the last two matches, um, Southampton and then Newport, it's slightly disappointing, but mm. I'd say they were mitigating circumstances, whether that's conditional whether in, in both case, whether one's a cup tie. Um, I think you, you can judge how well a team is doing or not doing over a, a handful of games. If if by the end of February, um, you know, we've got all those tough ties against United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Juventus, not to mention a, a, a replay against Newport and then uh, London Derby, another London Derby at the end of the month against Palace. If we've if we're struggling after all of those games, and they are difficult games in there, but if we if we're doing badly and form dips, then I, then I'd be concerned. Then I then I'd look at it as part of a, a wider trend. But at the moment, just after two games, it's too too early to make those judgments. I would also say these games we've had blips in have all had one thing in common. Well, a couple of things in common actually. They've all been after the busy Christmas period, and they've all been on bad pitches. So. Hopefully, once we get back to playing at Wembley, we'll get a couple of wins under our belt and it'll all be forgotten about. Um, question from John Steggles. With the drivel in the papers about Kane and Poch, does the panel think we have anything to be concerned about? So, um, Last week there was talk of Kane going to Real Madrid, possibly. This week there's been talk of Zidane um, being up for the chop at Real and apparently... Perez's number one target is um, Pochettino. Um, is it just paper talk? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I'm reading the Pochettino book at the moment, and that gives you probably as much of an insight into the man's workings as anything. And I think he tends to take the decision not just on behalf of himself, but also his staff seem to be quite key. So. If it was a move that they all could sort of agree on and think, yeah, we could go there and we could do this and that, then maybe, maybe. But there again, Real Madrid, they've not exactly got a track record of keeping managers for a long time, have they? So it could be a case of he could go there, he could have two seasons, he could win a couple of things and then get the chop. And then it's, you know, in the long term, does it do you more harm than good? Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a question for him and him only. But ultimately, I don't think we know, really. I think that he wants to lead us into the new stadium as part of the uh, much-talked-about project, and I would hope that's the case. Mm. They were um, they were on the Sunday supplement this morning. That, uh, this is what the um, media do. They, they get somehow somebody to mention it. It almost becomes fact. They then dis- discuss it endlessly. And, and within the discussion this morning, they turn around saying, well, I'm, I know Spurs fans don't want to hear it. No, we don't want to keep hearing it. It's driving us up the wall. It's, it's not that I think there's any credence in it, but you want to keep doing it. I mean, can any team ever be successful 
without having someone trying to dismantle it or rubbish it in some way. It's getting ridiculous. The problem for Real Madrid is they're sitting fourth in the table. They are 16 points behind Barcelona. They're in a right old mess, really. And Zinedine Zidane, for me, is no manager. Great player, but no manager. And Real Madrid, the players, tend to run themselves. They don't really have him. He's like one of the boys. Even when you see snippets of them training, he's still out there training with them, knocking the ball around. It just reminds me of when Bobby Charlton tried management. You know, it's just... Just that it's, they're just not their bag, and it's not his bag. So I am certain that they are looking for another manager. Um, I don't think Zinedine will last in the next season if they can find a replacement. Poch has got to be high on the list. But just as you said, Sam, look at Poch. He's got to be wanting to take Spurs into the new stadium. And I hate using the word project, but it is a project. And he's, he's now got us to this stage where he's got a team that matches the new stadium. And he's got to want to see it through. Um, if something went wrong next season, then maybe that might change. It was interesting to say that the media were saying, well, money talks, because Madrid can pay, money talks. But I've I, I got to say, Pop watches on more money than you and I could ever dream of. Um, he doesn't even have time to spend it. None of these managers really do. Um, was it? Is it Really? That much of it? You know, well, we'll double your money. You know, instead of six million, we'll pay you 12 million. Really? Is that, you know, right, it's another six million I, I don't have to spend. I, 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 I'm being naive, maybe. I just don't see it. I don't see why it would be money. For Poch, for me, it would be about the job, um, whether he wants to take on Real Madrid. But I don't, I don't see it at the moment. Of course, he'll leave at some stage, just as Harry Kane will retire at some stage. He'll go from the club or leave the club at the end of his career. It will all happen, but it isn't, isn't happening end of this season. And I don't see it even next season. Maybe after that, who knows? Things change. Well, Pochettino needs to win win some trophies um, first, first and foremost. And if he wants to, if he wants to, I'm not saying he. I, I don't know whether he wants to, but if if a club like Madrid would like to appoint him surely they are more likely to appoint somebody who has a pedigree in terms of winning trophies and sadly Pochettino as good a coach he is he hasn't won any trophies yet that's not criticism of him and to suggest that he's the wrong man for Spurs um, far from it but you know if he's going to go to Real Madrid surely it's going to be on the back of having won some number of trophies like for example Alex Ferguson did all those years ago at Aberdeen and then he went on to to manage United. Um, clubs generally, big clubs, don't have a very good track record when it comes to appointing managers that haven't won anything. Um, David Moyes, for example, comes to mind at, at, at United. Um, he wants to see it through. You're both, you're absolutely right. I think he, the, the new stadium, and, and that goes for for um, for, ha- for Kane too, for Harry Kane too. There's, and there's also records which. Kane still has his eye on, so I don't, I don't think any of them are about to go anywhere just soon. And in terms of Pochettino, what he's done really well wherever he's been is work with young players, nurture young talent. I would question whether he would want to, or whether he could go to a club like Real Madrid and work with superstars and work with the likes of Ronaldo et al. Rather than um, do what he's really good at which is work with young talent and, and nurture it um, and the other thing is 
he seems to be happy and embedded at Spurs. Um, he's his son, uh, Maurizio with an I, um, plays for the under 18s. Um, and then there's both of you, David, you, you've read or reading his book. Sam, you mentioned it earlier. Anyone who's read his book will know he's he's got a very good relationship with, with Daniel Levy. So Absolutely. I, Absolutely, I, I, he has. I can't see him going anywhere. Um, right, a couple more questions. Another one from John Staggles. Lorente, the only striking backup until the end of the season. Does that need addressing? So we've got... Um, we've got a few more days if the transfer window left. That's just that just reminded me I was going to talk about um the lads that we've we've um reportedly signed or are about to sign from PSG. Um Mora. Mora, yeah. Um before we look at John's question, what are your thoughts on that, chaps? Well, like a, a lot of people said I have no idea. I haven't seen him play. Um I, well, I think I have, but I, I he didn't stand out when I saw him. Um, so I, I don't. I have read bits about him. Um, I haven't bothered to go on YouTube because, as I always say, you only see the best of. Um, but he is quick, uh, apparently, and uh, yes, he does look a lot like Andros Townsend. Uh, maybe he is a, a long lost cousin. But uh, uh, well, I don't know. He, it's. I, I think he's a replacement to Sissoko. I really do. If 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 it turns out to be a, a, a proper transfer, I think he's the replacement on the right. I think he'll, he'll play on the right hand side, and Sissoko will see the door. If not this window, um, I think he'll see the door at uh, the summer. Um, and I think that's partly because the fans have chased him out. So, yeah, as I understand it, with Moira, I think he's more of an attacking midfielder than a direct sort of uh, out and out striker. But really. Poch doesn't like shopping in the January window, so I can't see us buying an out-and-out striker before the deadline mm-hmm. closes. What I think might happen is I think we might offload um, Vincent Janssen, who's still on loan at the moment in Turkey. Um, I think he's at Fenerbahce. Yeah. And if they're keen on him, I think that'll become a permanent deal. And I think that is the way we will operate. We'll get the money in, and then we'll see what we've got financially, and then we'll try and pursue another striker in the summer. I don't think Pochettino likes to shop in the January window because he sees it's an inflated market, which it is. Um, yeah, uh, we might well get more uh, Malcolm. There was talk of that happening last week, then it went quiet, and then there's been some more talk. But in terms, yeah, of... until that bastard Poyet stepped in, <laughs> but he's not going anywhere. I think, as I understand it, Poyet took the uh, the Bordeaux job on the promise that Malcolm wouldn't be sold in this window. But apparently, Poch is very keen on him. Mm. Um, it might so still we'll wait and see. Might still happen in the summer. But in terms of strikers, I haven't really heard. Obviously, there's we've been linked with um, the left back at Fulham. Um, but in terms of strikers, I haven't heard us being mentioned with um, any names. Um, is it a concern? Yeah, it is. But it was a concern last year. Um, obviously, a lot goes through Harry Kane. If he was injured again, for example, like he was um, twice on two occasions last year. Um, we'd adapt. Son would would play with Son um, in that position, and and I suppose we'd we'd get on with it. Is Lorente good enough? Unfortunately, he doesn't seem to be. Um, but then nor was Janssen. So we're not any we're not any stronger than last season. We're not any weaker either. Really, we're actually in the same same predicament. We've just got to keep our fingers crossed that um, Kane stays fit. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just he doesn't look like it, does he, um, Lorente? Um, I know that's possibly harsh on him because he's not necessarily getting the game time. I think the type of uh, game we play suits Kane and doesn't suit Lorente. But even when the ball does go to Lorente, he seems to make a bit of a mm. hash of it. Really, I, I'm so surprised because he was so good at Swansea. It's, it's difficult to understand sometimes why uh, things work for players at one club and then just don't at other clubs. But I, I can I see the question. Um, go on. Sorry, I was going to say, I think with Swansea, he was the spearhead of the attack. So the team was almost set up, not quite around him, but they knew each week that the plan would be to get down the wings, swing the ball into the middle, and he got a lot of his goals from headers. Whereas, as you say, we just don't play like that. So we, mm-hmm. that's never going to suit him, is it, the way we play? Oh. He's having to play a lot of his right. football back to goal, you know, and hold yep. the ball up. And he's, he's not always been able to do that. But, yeah, I just think, really, as you say, some some players seem tailor-made for some teams. I don't think he is yeah. for ours. But I think you're absolutely right, Sam. And, and then the question comes, why did we buy him? If he's not... You know, mm. you need to buy a Kane B. Yeah. Kane, a, Kane B. We need a player who can hold it up to his feet um, and, and bring other players in as well as little turns and a short, sharp shop, uh, shot of a goal. Um, so it does I beg guess the, question the, the problem that you'll have in the, in the market is who wants to sit on the bench behind Harry Kane? There's very few strikers who are going to accept that as being, you know, yep. the case. And I guess yep. that's part of the problem with it. It is. Okay, final two questions. Um, slightly off the Spurs tangent. Um, we've got a question from somebody on Facebook called Harold Kane. Um, he says, <laughs> "VAR, can I ask David Vornell? Um, how rude? What about Sam? Um, <laughs> I, th- I think I think the I think both of your views would be." Um, welcome on this subject i've i've already had my two pennies worth um and if i if i if if i say any more it'll just involve various expletives um when it comes to var um what's your views on this development within the beautiful game now it featured prominently yesterday in the in the liverpool versus west Brom match if anybody watched that um i did i did and and this seems to... I mean, that's the sixth game we've used VAR. Um, and the other five, there's, it, it's barely been used uh, um, other than Leicester got a goal allowed and when it was uh, offside, a uh, flag went up and it, and it was a goal. It, it possibly didn't change the game because it was their second goal, but it made the difference. So nothing's really... Nothing really happened those first five games until yesterday in the Liverpool game. And um, I think it was over... Uh, stipulate about the, the hold-up of the time. And I put the uh, game today on uh, a, a stopwatch uh, to see how long it took to, to get to the right decision. And and the, the first um, disallowed goal, the hold-up was 55 seconds. The second one, um, which ended up as a, a rightfully so, because uh, all decisions were, were right eventually, the penalty. Um and they said it's over three minutes. And I timed it. It was two minutes, 20 seconds. Uh, um, now, I, I'm quite convinced that that would be close to the amount of time that players have been arguing about it. And certain Liverpool players would have argued. And so, surrounding referees, that should have been a penalty. Um, the third one, that's the one that was three minutes. 
and that was too long while Paulson started to listen on his earpiece and I suspect that um, whoever was residing uh, in Luton which is where it's looked at um, said to him uh, I think you, you need to, to look at that again and, and eventually he went trotting over to that screen now all these things uh, that that one was too long i admit um but they went over there he had a look at it and yep it was a penalty now i know you don't like var javid mm-hmm. and you know that i i do like it and i i do you think javid it's coming anyway have you thought for a couple of years that var in some form is coming anyway regardless whether you like it or not yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think t- technologies um, that it was always inevitable. Um, the goal line technology was going to be introduced at some stage, and it has been. And and, and the same with VAR. Um, I I just don't think that it's. Um, yeah, I, I've said my. You have. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just. I was a straightforward question, Sam. Did, would you say the same? You you thought it was coming anyway, so. You yeah, no absolutely. Doubt. Yeah, I mean, the finances are such in football that, as we know, money rules everything, unfortunately. And if there's a difference between somebody potentially winning the Champions League or not, then they're always going to bring VAR in, aren't they? Because it's, uh, yeah, yeah. it's in now, those now clubs' I, interests. Yeah, I, I have a theory that if this VAR had come, I mean, two seasons ago, I would be as bold as to say I think we may have won the Premier League and that Leicester City would not have played, been able to play the tactics they did with Hooth and Morgan dragging players around the neck, both in their own box and the opposite end. It was a disgrace that they were allowed to keep doing that every week. Every week. Now, our players know at the moment they do it, it goes to VAR. Hopefully, this will stop it and we'll start to get a fairer game. But but will it, though? Because I thought the whole thing with VAR, it, it only comes into play when the referee is unsure about something. So if, for example, Leicester City or whoever um, are doing things which are slightly untoward and and that we can see, but perhaps the referee doesn't pick up upon, um, they're still going to happen. It's only if if that player does something and it's in doubt that VAR is... is uh, they, they consult VAR. Surely. Yeah. The clear, the clear defining thing with VAR is it's been brought in to eradicate clear and obvious mistakes from referees, much in the same way that cricketers get um, appeals that they're allowed to make challenges, you know, to overturn obvious umpiring mistakes, and that's how it, it's being brought in, how it's being described. So no, not every fifty-fifty in the box is going to get necessarily re- re- referred to VAR, and I don't think you'd want it to be because it'd break up the game so much. But yeah, to eradicate the clear and obvious decisions, mm. uh, mistakes. Just, just two things um, that occurred to me. One, um, well, firstly, in regards to the, the Liverpool-West Brom game yesterday, um, it was used quite a bit, and there were quite a few stoppages during during during, during the match, which was mm-hmm. annoying. And you know, f- the thing about football, it's very f- fast, it's free flowing, um, it's not rugby. Um, the second thing that occurred to me, I hadn't really thought about this, is if you're watching it at home, whatever you think of VAR, you could argue that it adds to the... I don't know, well, you could make an argument for saying that it adds to the excitement, that the that, that fact that there's that intrigue, there's that, how's that decision going to 
go. Personally, I'd, I'd, I'd kill it there and then. I'd, I, don't, I don't want that in football. But if you're in the ground, then you're not privy to what's going on. You're, you're waiting there in silence, surely. Yeah, yeah but you, you're, still, you're still getting that now when the referee goes over to the linesman. You're never quite sure what they're saying and what you might yeah. sort of point down to a free kick. There's going to be a lot of that. I was going to take you back now to, um, I think it's 2005, when uh, um, France were playing Republic of Ireland and Thierry, An- Thierry Henry handballed. Uh-huh. And if we'd got VAR then, that should have uh, removed that goal and everything would have been different. Now, on the back of that, the, the, the FAI um, were taking... Uh, FIFA to court over it. They wanted it replayed, taken to court. They, in the end, accepted a five million dollar bribe by Set Blatter to shut up. That, that's that's what we've got on the other end of it. And it, based on that alone, almost, I would go for VAR. I, I I think it's a great thing. And you know, we, we can go right back to when the hand of God. That would definitely remove that that ridiculous nonsense. Um, and, and you've got Frank Lampard, Pedro Mendes. You know, guys, I know that goal line technology now will sort those ones out. But this is still um, a technical advancement. Now, based on yesterday, the Liverpool game was the first as a sixth game it's taken before people have now seen what, should we say, damage it can do to the flow of the game. And And I don't think it's that bad. I really don't. And I think it's well worthwhile because in the end, the referee came out with the right decisions. And and I, I, I'm hoping to see players stop dragging people around the neck in the box, grabbing them. It's not the right thing. If, if you've got a mark a player, it's lazy marking when you start grabbing shirts and pulling on them. I'm fed up with seeing it. I'd much rather see VAR entered. Now, you're quite right. Sitting at home, I, I love it when I'm sitting there. I think it's another angle where I can sit and watch and wait for a decision and get the right one. I find it quite entertaining. Mm. And I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. The other thing is, you know, people make a big issue of, oh, it takes this long to refer it to VAR. That'll get quicker in time. It always does. You know, it's always a slow process at the start while people are figuring out how it works. As soon as they get down to it, they'll get it down to about 30 seconds, I should think. And what, what's the problem with that? If we get to the right decision. Just out of interest, do either of you know um, where it's going to be trialled? Like, which which games um, are next? Well, it's been... I know it's in the World Cup. They've agreed for it to be in the World Cup. Um, it can only be in this country in Premier League grounds for some reason. I don't know whether it's because they're the only ones who got the technology. So, for instance, it was used in the uh, P- Arsenal against P- Chelsea semi-final. Yeah. But it wasn't in the Bristol City versus Man City. It's obviously, it... Bristol City are a championship game. So, uh, yeah. So it's been, so it's been it's been used from what I remember it's been used in the, yesterday FA Cup tie it was used in the the League Cup game that you mentioned has it been used in the Premier League? No, not as far as I'm aware. Okay, so there's no, no there's no chance of it being used next week um, at Anfield. No, good, right. I can sleep <laughs> sleep easy. Um, final yes. question. Um, so this is the famous, infamous, yeah. reoccurring question on the podcast. Um, Sam, as it's your first time on the podcast this season, um, mm-hmm. the question is, you're on a desert island, who from the current squad do you vote as leader? And if it all goes Lord of the Flies, who do you eat first? Leader would be Vatongan. So I think he's got those qualities, although he's um, not necessarily always lauded for it. I would actually rather see him as our captain than Hugo Lloris, but that's just a personal preference. 
And if it all goes Lord of the Flies, I've decided I'm going to eat Moose with Dembele, unfortunately. I think it would very much be like um, poor old Boxer in Animal Farm who gets carted off to the glue factory after he's um, served his time. But I would carve up old Musa very carefully. I would take his hamstrings out and stick them onto Toby to reinforce them. <laughs> but why Musa? I mean, surely you, you'd, you'd want a younger player. He's, it's going to be old meat. It's going to be... It's not going to be... Um... You know, it's not going to be like veal or something. It's going to be old. And... Judging by the size of Moose's legs, there's going to be quite a quite a bit of meat there to keep me going for a while. That's true. Sustenance is important. Um, right, the next podcast will be recorded a week tomorrow, next Monday, Monday the fifth, Monday evening. Um, good reason for that. I won't be around on Sunday um, to record a podcast. Um, until then, thank you, David. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. And until next week, the future's bright, the future's lily white. Good night. Come on, Tottenham, stick it in the goal. Come on, Tottenham, the base are bloody slow. You are the first team, the last team, my dreams have ever seen. Put on that lily white and run on to that green. White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its load of nights we fought our team through thick and thin and all those boring nights And when the game is done we'll sing a song and talk it out all night Hey, Come on Tottenham, stick it in the goal Come on Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow You are the first team, the last team, my dreams have ever seen Pull on that lily white and run on to that green We've seen them come, we've seen them go, the names up on our shirt Gods have failed as men are hailed and faces in the dirt Now gather round and sing it out and we'll talk out over her